Mike's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Silver 7, you heard it. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. James is here. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Adam Hill is back with us here on Cofield and Company. 277 for many of the drinks here at two different bars at Silver 7's. Bud Light Sports Lounge, and also the Silver and Gold Bar. Big Four time. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number Four. So last night, kind of cool for baseball fans, especially if you were up late. And like so many things, you say it all the time, Adam. Many times you're not watching a specific event, but then on social media you get alerted. That's what happened to me. Yankee game was on. I wasn't watching the Yankee game against the A's. I'm not as big a uh, Yankee fan as JT the Brick over on uh, Raider Nation Radio 920. I know he was all fired up. I see the tweet, right? I'm on social media. I'm like, okay, I'll turn it on. So I enjoyed the last inning. Watched the three outs. A couple of nerve-wracking. They weren't even really close, but um, plays by the infield. Perfect game. And I thought of a couple things. All right, there's always pushback on everything. No matter what you accomplish, you know, this is the 24th perfect game in baseball history going back to 1880 so what's going to be wrong with this one well the A's suck and can we really celebrate Domingo Herman, who has been suspended in the past for domestic violence and brutal domestic violence from if you listen to what the witnesses said uh, he slapped his wife apparently repeatedly at a team fun- function and then was beating her so badly at home that she hid herself in the house and called one of his teammates' wives to come over and break it up. And because, I mean, you would wish that these penalties were doled out more often when people are clearly guilty, but in this case, because it was at a team function, uh, it was a fairly easy half-the-season suspension for Domingo Herman. And it must have been... Look, you can often judge by how people around react. When Zach Britton, a while back, said... You don't get to pick who your teammates are. Pretty clear that there was some real uncomfortability with him being on the team and being in the league. He said you don't get to pick who your teammates are? Yes. Yikes. So it was pretty clear to me that it was a pretty egregious and gross incident. And yet he's back, and there's people celebrating. And now I know last night I saw a couple of people that, you know, maybe Yankees fans who were celebrating and then were told pretty quickly about what happened or sent links, and they said, oh, man, I should not have even celebrated that which I, I get it now if you want to just say you know if it's if it's like if it's for you like a case of music or if you're still listening to like r kelly and michael jackson who i know a lot of people are and i don't have that much of a problem with it is that the same separating the art from the artist i don't know it seems uncomfortable to be openly cheering for somebody to have success when you know that about them number three Travis Kelsey unplugged, and by the way, the uh, match is starting, so we'll be tracking that on the TVs here at Silver 7s over at Win Las Vegas. It's uh, Golden State against the Chiefs, so Mahomes and Kelsey against Steph Curry and Clay. And uh, I think, I didn't see the last number, the, uh, the number on this was around minus 330 on the Warrior side because Steph Curry's about, I think like a one or two handicap. I saw Mahomes is a seven handicap. And Kelsey is an 11, so that means he's more of a kind of a mid-80s, upper-80s golfer. Steph is really good. I don't know about Clay Thompson. I don't know how good he is. Well, I, I was on the, the Zoom with him 
didn't sound like he was really uh, confident in his game. But again, he's playing with by far the best golfer of the group. He did make a comment. Was it on that same call that in the NFL, weed is very prevalent amongst the players that they do a one-time weed test, right? Is that at the beginning of training camp when they report? Yeah. And then that's it for the rest of the time. And then Kelsey claims that it's kind of a wide gap here. 50 to 80% of players in the NFL use weed or smoke weed. He said it's at least 50. Yeah. And he's like, really, I'm going to say it's up to 80. But he said at least 50. Problem with that? No. No, Do you have a problem with? It should be close to 100. They've got to deal with the pain. They've got to deal with everything that they go through. And a lot of guys have said it helps. Now, some guys, if it doesn't help, then I'm not saying, suggesting they do it anyway. But um, And I don't think it's for everyone either because I think a lot of guys do it recreationally. But for the average human in most parts of the country, it's legal. So why shouldn't it be for them? We just talked about suspensions again today for gambling in the NFL. This could be one of those cases where you kind of pit the penalties for marijuana use versus gambling, and we can go rules. But you just pointed out 15 minutes ago that the rules are very ambiguous in certain cases. Yeah. Again, the guys, this isn't about the guys that were suspended so far. So, they're pretty clear violators. What do you say to people that are like, wait, we're suspending guys for gambling in states where it's legal, and Kelsey's claiming weed use, and it could be happening in states where it's not legal recreationally? Yeah. Should I the mean, NFL clamp down on this? Did Kelsey just snitch on the league? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Thanks, Travis. I think the better question is, shouldn't shouldn't Josh Gordon sue for millions and millions of dollars? Why why is he in that situation? And other guys are just doing it freely. Because once you're in the program, you're tested far more often, and that's what happened to Josh Gordon, and he just continues to get tested. And the rules changed yeah. but, uh, after he was in the system. Yeah, for sure. It, which is, you know, it's unfortunate for him, obviously. Uh they probably shouldn't test at all, and there definitely shouldn't be penalties for failing. Although, a lot of players have said it's basically just an intelligence test now where you know when they're going to test you. You stop smoking right before training camp. You test clean, and then you're good for the rest of the year, uh, which is fine. But, I look, I don't, I don't believe there to be any performance and qualities to it. So, I, I don't know why the league would be you know, concerned about this, especially in places that it's legal. If, if you want to say in places where it's illegal, but... I don't think you get that through the CBA to say we're going to test in some states and not in others. Number two. How did the draft go last night? Uh, pretty good. I mean, look, I know uh, there was a lot of controversy at number two. I mean, anytime you pass over a Michigan kid, that's a bad idea. And everybody just assumed one and two were set, and it changed up a little bit uh, because the Ducks went off the board. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I think it fell the way a lot of people thought it would. All right. Any funny moments? Well, I mean, obviously, when you have a top prospect with a famous name, you're going to play off of it. And it it got awkward, and it also kind of reminded me of a, a, a moment from my past as well, unfortunately. Oh, I thought we were here. Uh, Will Smith was drafted. They play walk-up music for the draft picks. And they play the Fresh Prince theme song. So, you know, he they play it they play it up as he walks to the stage. Everybody kind of has a good laugh about it. But I don't think he really wanted any part of that. I don't think he loves the fact that it's his name. It's like, all right, yeah, I get this. This joke happens all the time. I get it. But it is kind of an awkward situation to be in. Obviously, he's not uh, thrilled about about the situation. And um, 
you can hear you can hear when they they even double down on it like oh hey you listen to the song you like it what if you sing it for us like don't do this to him do you want the bite we're all talking about it. You got the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song when you walk up there. Why'd you choose him? What was going through your mind when you put on that jersey? I mean, I feel like I kind of had to. I mean, uh, the name, I mean, I'm, I'm trying, to, uh, trying to own it. And, uh, I mean, I love the song, too. Can you sing it for us? Right now on camera? Why not? CSPN, oh. let's go. <laughs> In West Philadelphia, born and raised, where the playgrounds where I spent most of my days, chilling out, relaxing, relaxing, all cool, shooting some b-ball outside of school. That's incredible. It might be more impressive than your playing school, but I know you are an impressive player. So <laughs> this poor kid. That's incredible. He didn't. He didn't want to do that. And he, by the way, he boxed the words a little bit. I, you know what? Job. I wouldn't have known. I was he like, also hey, he, ripped, he ripped it out. I thought it was pretty good. Well, he, then he's like, all right, I'll say the words. I'm not going to sing on camera. This is silly. Um, I was, I was on a game show in middle school. I was on Science Bowl, and. I had I didn't really care about science, but I was like good at trivia, so I was on the science bowl team, and they had asked me like a pre-interview thing. All right, so you know this is in D.C. Uh, where I lived at the time. They're like, all right, like, what, what's your favorite science project you've ever done? I had never done one, ever. And so I was like, I don't know. And uh, my teacher was like, just say you did something on atoms. It'll be funny. It's your name. It's great. I was like, okay. So I did, and then of course they go to you, and they're like, "All right, well, let's meet our contestants." Adam, you once did a project on atoms. What? And I was like, "Yeah, hmm, explain yeah. that." Uh, yeah, I guess I picked it because the name. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I had nothing. <laughs> it was so awkward and pathetic. Adam Hill, less speechless, which happens often. I was like, uh, "I don't know." It sounded just like this kid, this poor guy. Was that ruthless on her part to ask Emily's, him to sing it? Emily's great, but. It was a little much. When, when was the show out? I mean, well, okay, it was it was the nineties, but this kid was born when? After that, but obviously you've probably I born mean, in the two thousand. Yes, but kids, I'll like say, ten years after the show. Even kids, even kids of his generation watch the show every day. It was indica- it was in syndication. Everybody okay. watched it, and like even if you didn't, if your name was that, I mean, you know, you you were too old for. I mean, I was gonna say a. With the Ricky Nelson show, wasn't that a show? Like, if if your name was Ricky Nelson, you would probably have watched the show because your name's Ricky Nelson. I would, I would imagine. I don't, know. I don't think everyone's like that socially aware of of trends from the past. They it's might find name. out eventually. I guess like a parent might. But this show is this show is generational. It's not. I mean, it, it crosses generations. It's not for just the people that grew up at that time. Wouldn't the easiest thing to do once you find out that Will Smith is somebody that you got to go in a different direction? William, Willie, Willie Smith, Bill, Billy, Billy Smith. That's probably the way to go. But what if you just like Will? I'm not changing like the like from Office Space. You guys, Michael Bolton. I'm not changing it because he sucks. What do you like better, Will or Bill? Will. Bill's bad. I think I like Bill more. Sorry to the Bills out there, but no. Like what it's a bad what name. If, what if I pull my little trick where uh, everyone gets a different version of their first name, especially those who are insistent? I will never call a Steven Steven. Stevie? We'll never call Rob Manfred. It's always Bobby. Sure. What are you, I mean, what are you going to go with? What if moving forward we're, we're going Bill Ramirez? <laughs> I like it. He's, he's not, not. You know, here's the thing, though. I don't he's know. He's not going to love it. I don't know this Will Smith. I don't think Willie Ramirez is a Bill Ramirez. 
Like, I think sometimes your name has to kind of. I think it's. I think he's a Bill. I think we should call. Like, him I'm that. not a Steven because it sounds too upper crust. I could be a Stevie. I think. Could I be a Stevie? No, you can't pull it off. Was Stevie part of Eastbound and Down? Yes. I don't want to be that kind of Stevie. No, you don't want to be that, that Stevie. Was, that was pretty bad. Never go full Stevie. <laughs> Number one. Someday I'll be Stevie. When I go really Mr. Sunshiny. Really super light. All right, you didn't mean this about Riley Smith yesterday and the trade being ruthless, did you? Of course. Damn. In a good way. I mean, that's that's the signature of this organization. And that's what's got them to where they are. I mean, after the parade, when we started getting into, because I kind of held off on, hey, what's next year going to look like? Let's let them win first, okay? Let's talk about the now. We don't have to worry about, you know, we're not, nothing against the press box, but well, that's, this, that it, show is about breakups and, and problems. Even in the midst of winning, somehow that becomes a bad thing. But I held off. And we said last week, if you need someone, or two weeks ago, right after the cup was won, if you need someone to deal with the emotions of winning a cup and not get all geeked up and out of control with contracts and personnel moves, it's McPhee and McCrimmon. Yeah, and in this case, there really wasn't time to do what you're saying of like, hey, let's enjoy the moment. It was like a week out from from free agency having to start in the draft and everything else. So they they were ready to go. Uh, and in this case, you know, very quickly you have to turn around and move on from somebody. This hour in Reno and Vegas is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers offices in Reno and Henderson in Las Vegas. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. 277 right now. A happy hour going down on a lot of the drinks. Here at Silver Sevens, Flamingo and Paradise. Got two bars, Bud Light Sports Lounge and the Silver and Gold, and that's where the William Hill Racing Sportsbook is located. Adam Hill, Cofield, James is down here as well. Getting to the halfway point of the show. Bunch of stuff to recap and follow up on. So, one, day baseball. The A's, our A's, bounce back from a perfect game, or at least on the wrong side of a perfect game. And looky here, looky here. They lost. Uh, but they got eight hits and four oh, runs. Yeah. Wow. They, they, guess, nice. they lost 10-4. How many errors today? They are now only one. Uh, they are now 21-62, and 62, so as we pass the halfway mark, basically on a pace to win about 41 games for the entire season. It was, it was a big day, though. Record-setting loss. It was their 62nd loss. Mm-hmm. They're the first team in Major League history to lose 62 games before July 1st. Is that right? Even the 62 Mets Yeah, the, didn't the lose that many before July 1st. 2003 Tigers lost 61 before July 1st. And by the way, good news, still a couple days left. Can shatter the record. Um, you know, it's interesting. I hear people say this all the time when, when the A's get cracked on. They're like, no one talks about the Royals. Yeah, we do. I, I, I know a lot of people who talk about the Royals. The miserable, sure. you know what's in how, Kansas City. How much are the Royals how, asking for another city to pay them? That's a good point. <laughs> uh, Royals won today, so they're twenty-two and fifty-nine. All right. The A's are twenty-one and sixty-two. I mean, that's a crazy thing. Is that the A's are setting a record for one of the worst seasons in history, and the Royals were right there with them. Yeah, they're trying. And I don't think the Royals are doing it on purpose. 
I believe the A's did a lot of this on purpose by sure. not re-signing some of their star players. And I, I don't know. I, I don't want to get into the farm system. We got guys here, but I don't understand not playing the guys in the farm system. I brought it up again and again and again. Uh, and nothing against Aledmus Diaz. Well, they might you, lose. You, they might lose a bunch of games if they do that. When you've got seven Aledmus Diazes in the lineup, I mean, you look. God, I hate when we do this. I really do like baseball, so it does. It really does drive me nuts. I went to three games this weekend. Yeah, you went to see the Padres, right? It's the Nats. The lineup today, from top to bottom, we're halfway through the season. Averages: the leadoff hitter is hitting 180, then two at 228. The three hole, 207, cleanup, 203. Then 237, 212. Pinch hitter came in who's hitting 196. Oh, look at that. Did you get that bat off the bench? Um, yeah, Rooker pinch hit. He's hitting 239. Another Yankee cast off. Wade, he's hitting 206. Was Ruiz in the lineup today? Did he Ruiz. Ruiz he's hit. fun. Oh, he's got like 100 stolen bases. Yeah, he's fun to watch. Yeah, he hit 260. He I'm- was the guy I was worried about last night in the perfect game. Because I think he was the last out, wasn't he? Was he the one who uh, went the other way and Donaldson snow coned it? So, so he's, he's at, hitting nine. That's surprising. He's yeah, he's at, at uh, well, you got to have Tony Kemp at the top hitting 180. That's true. That's like when you see stuff like that, you're like, wait. And again, you know, um, what's Ruiz is on base, you know, 263. We don't, we don't like average. baseball. We don't like baseball, though, Steve. And I can tell you that Kemp let off the game. Uh, he, got, he, he tried to steal second, got to third on a error, and then scored on the next play. Uh, I don't like baseball, though. Yeah. We don't that's, like what, that's we don't what care. it is. Nor do the fans of Oakland. No. They don't like baseball either. No. So that was 10-4. And then the other one of note, Angels lost 9-7 of the White Sox, but Shohei hit home run number 29. He's got 29 homers, and is it 67 RBI now? Let me look at that real quick. So 29. He's got 29 and 66. So roughly on a pace for 58 and 132. They've played 83 games, so, you know, a little less than that. No judge around. This will be the year that the hitter slash pitcher, who, by the way, at the halfway point, has 127 Ks on the mound yeah. with an ERA right around three. I mean, if, think about it. He, This is Babe Ruth, but against the world pool of when, baseball players. When did Babe Ruth ever do this? He had... I think his last, I have to look up his last season where he really pitched a lot. And he, I think he had in the 30s for home runs. But this, this guy potentially is going to go like 55 home runs with 240 strikeouts on the mound. That's insane. Yes. Okay. So what happened a lot on this show last year? What do we argue about? MVP. Okay. And I was on the side, believe me, it wasn't like life and death, but I was on the side of judge and you and JVT were exploding and rightly so over Otani being the MVP he's a pitcher and a hitter right so looking back on that now if we all had votes and I officially placed my vote for Aaron Judge would you have gone when it when it was official would you have gone on the air and say that I must be stripped of my vote <laughs> I, I think you know where I'm going because we've had this argument for three days. and But go ahead, answer that first. Well, no. No, I don't think. I mean, because you had your reasons, I guess. They were somewhat. I mean, I, they're probably very flawed. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you guys were so strong. I mean, when you think about it, logically, you could say no one else was close to Otani because who else pitched? Yeah. That's it. It's cut and dry. And this argument started early in the week when 
we found out for the Hart Trophy that Connor McDavid got every first place vote, and one dude did not give him a first place vote. He gave him a fifth place vote. That guy jumped on the phone with Willie. Willie explained it yesterday. He's a writer out of Pittsburgh, and he explained his case. But there were all these people, there were local media people, led by Darren Millard, who came on and said, that guy doesn't care. He's just doing it for publicity. Yeah, take away his vote. And I freaking lost it. And guess what? I don't care. What was his I, case, I, though? He explained it. He, he had five reasons. That, I mean, if someone can explain why they did it, I think a lot of it was, and, and the way I would have explained it if I didn't vote, I might not have voted for McDavid either. He plays with Leon Dreisaitl. That makes life a lot easier. Now, you could also see with these MVP things, we can flip it around like, well, you know, Pasternak, I mean, best team in hockey, can't be the MVP. I think a lot of it was who was really valuable to his team. If you took him off the team, what was that team going to be without him? So, and I just, I know this, and, I, and this is not the way you can look at it, and it was only one playoff series, but my extended look at Connor McDavid, I was not that impressed. And I also didn't like his character. I don't think he's a true team leader. I think he's a whiny guy. Um, and when, I, you know, when you watch him and Drysaddle, you're like, my God, the combination is amazing. But a lot of it's because of Drysaddle and vice versa. Well, so they, you know what? I will never, the same line I will that, never, I will no. never. They didn't they, play the same line. I mean, they put they, them together did, when they needed to, like, score. Did they, they ever play? Uh, what was their big thing all year? Right? The power play. Yeah. Did they play? On a regular basis, on oh, a power yeah, play, for okay. sure. So then, that's that's those, those are a lot of his numbers. Yeah, but I mean, you if you just watch him without Drysaddle on right. the ice, you would say, okay, that's still the MVP. Yeah, you, but you you get my overall point. The over overall point is well, it's, it's you, a you difference. If you, if you have choose. a re, if you have a reason, like you right. said, that guy explained it, that's fine. If you came on and you're like, uh, I didn't like that he didn't do well in the power play. Like he actually was the best power play player in the league. Right. That's when you start saying, flawed, okay, you should lose your vote. Yeah, if it's flawed, of course. Right. Yeah. But there. Uh, there were also there were a few guys throughout the dominant era of the Yankees who would never vote Yankees for MVP. Because they just loaded up with all the best players. They're like like should I mean like you, you, you don't have to go back. You don't you don't have to go back any no if they had Drysaddle at every other position that's that was the he's on the same team. But what I would I, you don't have to go back. Should an Aces player win MVP? Win MVP? You don't, have to, you don't have to go back at all to the Yankees. It's, it's right okay. here. So if you had an Aces vote and you didn't vote one of the – if an Ace, a Las Vegas Ace, one of the female basketball players wins the MVP, and you like it's Asia Wilson, and you put her fifth, there should be an outcry to have your vote removed. But I know you would have a logical reason for it, and then everyone needs to shut up. Yeah. It would, I mean, at, at some point at the end of the year, we'll see how it plays out and you know how it shakes down in terms of what everybody does. But I think you could, you could make the case of – Hey, look, six of the eight best players in the league are on the same team. Yeah. They pro- nobody should probably win the MVP from that team. But it, there's a whole season left to play. So we'll and find it's, out and it's an incredibly lame argument to just lash out and go, the person should have his vote removed. Because, I mean, there, there were some interesting cases in the NBA where people admitted that they, ever, they, they screwed up their ballot yeah. or they forgot about someone. They thought you can only have one from each position. Uh-huh. Uh, like, no, I... I would say, like, last year there was an argument Aaron Judge was so dominant offensively, fine. If you had Otani fifth, you probably should have your vote taken away. That would be hard to justify, right. although I don't even know. How many games did Mike Trout want to play in last year? 120? I can't remember. Did he play yeah. a full? I don't, I don't remember. Right? But that, that I guess that could be your argument. Well, I mean, you know, Trout's the guy on the team. It makes it easier for Otani. I'm not going to buy it. As, but, as a pitcher. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's to me, 
as long as Otani is playing a full season, he's probably not going to. There's probably not going to be a year when he's not the MVP. All right, I got to follow up on this one too. Last last one on this NFL gambling thing. So more players got suspended. Uh, players who were betting in the facility, and that seems to be a big thing. Betting on other sports. The CBA was signed in 2020. This was all these rules that the NFL has on sports gambling were. They were negotiated into the CBA before all these partnerships and states were legal with gambling? Yeah, but I... I no, mean, no, no, that's not, it's not just a yeah. I'm asking you a question. Was, was every detail of their gambling rules negotiated into the CBA, or have they been additions? Wouldn't they have to be since sports gambling has exploded since 2020 in different states and different sportsbook partnerships? Well, it was starting before that, for sure. But, I mean, it had already expanded somewhat. I, but the issue is, I think it's important to point out the NFL tried. If you read the rules, you see what they're trying to get to. You understand what they were trying to eliminate with some of the rules. It was just, it probably was a fact of not having people that understood sports betting in that room, which I think probably was a big issue. Always a big issue, right? Yeah. Yeah. They got a lot of problems. They're going to get challenged at some point. I'm almost certain. There's will. such amb- ambiguity here, and I, I don't. I the other the, the other one is the the freaking tracking of guys in the facility, man. That's some scary Big Brother stuff. No, you are too. Everyone is. Oof. They have to know where you are to make a bet. You're, this, we can get into it. Book information to the NFL. I didn't approve the NFL to be Big Brother on my phone. Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Ed Reno's in Vegas. So Northern Nevada certainly knows about sports books and mobile accounts. And our last block got a little truncated. So we weren't finished talking about the latest NFL news. We actually should give out the news. So who wound up getting suspended this time around for gambling? Uh, there was two Colts okay. that were on the list. And, and one of the Colts was actually betting Colt props, which that— One Colt prop. One of the Colt—oh, one Colt prop, okay. It was, he was betting for—it sounds like he was betting for friends. Yeah. So he lived in Indianapolis where sports betting is legal on the app. His friends lived in another state where it was not legal. And they said, hey, can you just—as happens, I think all of us have been through this situation. Right. Hey, can you throw this bet down for me? And he was throwing bets in for his friends, like $25, $50, really nothing. bets here and there, parlays, baseball games, basketball games, whatever. It was doing that for his friends. And at one point, there was a bet made for $1,000 on a Colts rushing prop that hit. So that could be inside info. Uh, Does it matter at that point if it's uh, outside the facility or inside? Uh, No. It doesn't, right? You can't bet NFL props or games no matter where you are. So inside the facility was a Tennessee Titan. Right. Same thing. Not NFL bets, but inside the facility. And... I just brought up the fact that it's a little alarming that you're being tracked by the NFL in the facility, and then you explained, well, it's not necessarily the NFL doing the tracking, it's their sportsbook partners. I think Clay Travis is now beating the drum as a patriot and a great American that this seems to be a violation. How are they tracking you? Well, Clay Travis is a sports gambling expert. Yeah. With geo-tracking, sportsbooks know where we are all the time. If our app is on... They can track us all the time. Um, I, again, I go, and we don't have all the information on this. I, I think these are relatively new advancements in terms of the NFL's partnership, and I don't believe all of that, that. That could not have been discussed, like you said, 
fully the way it should have been in 2020 when they signed the CBA. This has to be a process and a policy that is morphing along the way. So I don't know if players exactly, like they don't understand that they're being tracked. I will say this, from here forward, one, I don't think I would bet any sport in the facility. But two, if you're like, F you, you absolutely cannot open an account with a, non, or with a partnered NFL sportsbook. Or am I wrong on that? I don't think it's just the partnered ones. I think, that, I think Wait, it's also the, part the other of, books are, the ones who aren't even partners with the I don't NFL think it's the could books. Be, could I'm, be snitching? I don't think it's the books. I think it's, it's site, and I won't, I don't want to name the, co there's one company everybody knows who is hired to do all this stuff. Um, but it'd be one of the outside integrity services that do this. Like that's oh, part of it's their our integrity job. services. Of that course, because it's down. part of because it's part of monitoring to make sure there's no bets that are not on the up and up. Like it's part. That's part of the same thing. That's that's what you're doing. That's what's been done in Vegas for. You know, I was going to say hundreds of years. Hundred years. Monitoring who's making the bets and where and why they're doing it. Like it's just through the app instead of through who's coming to the counter. Like that's that's very vital to make sure we know who's betting and where. That has to be done. If, if without that, it, you don't, you can't have a regulated market. So I, I don't. I mean, if people are surprised that you're being tracked, that's, you know, Clay Travis sent out this opens up a lot of legal issues. You know where people are, where they're betting, and somebody said, uh, you know, that the phone company knows where you're sending this tweet from, right? Like that's that's the same thing. But I feel like there's a difference if, like, there is a subpoena process to go to a phone company. From a, I mean, kind of. Now we need all our attorneys on. Yeah. Can a private entity like the NFL just go to the phone company and start getting your text and tweets? I guess it would be text. It would have to your be through a, through a legal process. Through a legal process. Right. But when, you're, when you sign up for an app, have you read the, the terms no, and services no one, when you sign up? That's the thing. No one no. reads them. That, it's part of it. But you look, scroll it's, through and you're like, I agree. If there's concern about them knowing where you are and where you're betting from and who you are, uh, then the entire system falls apart. They have to know all of those details when you're making bets. They have to. So is there any way to get around this? Do you just have to go to the window at brick and mortar sure. and keep your bets under a limit where you won't have to give your ID? Yeah, if you want, if you don't want them to know that you're betting, sure. But at that point, I think if they recognize you on the camera, they have to tell the league too. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup a couple weeks back. There's so many people to talk to who have been involved in the process along the way over the last six years. And, you know, we just saw the news yesterday that one of the misfits is on his way out, Riley Smith, to the Penguins. Barbie now officially part of the organization for a longer time. Adam Hill, Steve Cofield, Nick Gizmondi was there in the early years as one of the VGK announcers. He's an NHL expert, so we always like to bring him on to talk some, some hockey, but uh, mostly about VGK today. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Hey guys, I'm great. Congratulations on the uh, congratulations on the win. I uh, I had a feeling that's how it was going to go, and I'm, I couldn't couldn't be more excited for that fan base out there. All right, so tell me what you thought, Nick, when you watched them in that last game, crazy game, you know, blowout. But the celebration on the ice, and you know, some of the guys that you know from your time with the team, what were you thinking as they were celebrating? Yeah, it's special. You know, uh, I. I I was with uh, I was with Brandon Peary yesterday in Pittsburgh. We're uh, doing the three on three, the three ice uh, hockey again this uh, summer, and and and, Piers and I were talking last night, and we were, you know, kind of having a conversation about just how important it was and how special it was, and how we were obviously one that we weren't there to be a part of it with everybody, but at the same time, you know, being a part of the baseball nights organization those first couple of years, it was just really special to to see them win. And you, you think about the guys, you know, for me, it was it was. 
it was Wild Bill and and Mark Chassot and and Smitty and, and guys like that that you see win and that you see the emotions and you know the guys that were around when we were there that kind of you know went down that road together weren't sure what it was going to be and I you know had those emotions back from that first night um, at the very first home game the very first game ever and the, you know the speech by by England it just, just everything kind of sort of came back and it was just it was really fun to see and it was. It was very special to have been a part of it in the early years and then to watch you guys pull it off and culminate it with a win. Did you see Wild Bill Carlson and his speech? My question is, I'm sure you did, um, did, did he always come across as a guy who would stand up in front of, you know, 40,000 people and, and give a, a rambling kind of half-in-the-bag speech? But it was a pretty good speech. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I don't know about you guys. You guys are in the broadcast business the same as me, but... Uh, <laughs> I think sometimes it always takes a little bit of liquid courage, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not that we do that when we're out there anymore, but no, uh, no, but no. no, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily see that coming out of him. He's a little bit of a quieter guy, but for him to be able to do it and have that moment, I, I think you expect that in those, in those. Listen, these guys work their, their butts off all season long, and then to have a moment like that, I thought it was you mentioned a couple of moments uh, from your early days here. What what is the maybe the your favorite moment or something that stands out from your time uh, around the Golden Knights in the early years, which was such a wild ride in history? God, I'll tell you what. You know, uh, it, it, I'm a softie. Everybody knows I'm an emotional yeah, we guy. Know, we know. Yeah, I know. It's 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 a relationship. It is. You know, I remember. I remember doing. I remember, I remember being on with you out out front of the arena before you know the home opener in, in year two. I remember uh, some of my favorite moments were hanging out with with Mayday at uh, at the beer house um, afterwards, right outside of New York, New York, or hanging out at the Center Bar, in New York, New York, just talking with fans and just getting to interact with people. Um, I still talk to so many of fans and people that I met out there. I mean, it was. Probably two of the greatest years that I've ever spent in in, in my career broadcasting wise, just because I felt such an attachment to the to the community and to the people, and I I I look forward to going to work, and if you want to call it work, I guess I just look forward to it every day. So I don't know if you could put one I don't know if you could put one moment on it. Um, you know, there were some special moments. Um, you know, I have a great relationship with a young man I met who was fighting cancer at the time at the practice being Colin. You know, struck up a relationship with him and his family. I still talk to them. You know, God bless them. He's cancer-free now. That's special. Uh, um, you know, so many people. Uh, uh, you know, that fan base was in love with that team and that organization. And, and you know, when we you all won it, I was so happy for God. I was so happy for the two of you. Uh, what, a, what a thing. Uh, you know, I was happy for the fans. I was happy for, you know, for the players that we knew when we were there, and you know, and I was really happy for Mr. Foley too. Uh, I, he would find me if I just said that. I, I was really happy for Bill. <laughs> well, you know, I, mean, I was going to say fact is it's not a fact. It is my opinion. Uh, what Foley's done over the years with the help of McPhee and McCrimmon is something super special. And uh, you know, considering the fact that we're going to get the A's here, we can kind of see the flip side of ownership if they don't care. Uh, the job that Foley has done in being committed and sometimes impatient. But committed to winning at all costs, um, he he should be beloved here forever because there's not a lot of owners like that. He's a military man, and I think that's the thing that always struck me with him. And I will always be very fond of, of Bill. I, I 
Bill Gibson, and that's that, uh, that's that, that's that military, that's that West Point, that's the uh, Army way. And I, I respect the heck out of it coming from a military family. And I will trumpet this from the rooftops, and I always have. I think that George McPhee is one of the smartest minds in the sport of hockey, and uh, the amount of respect that I have for him as a player and as an executive, it's uh, it's immense. I, I, I think very highly of the job that he's done, and I was really excited to see him uh, win that conference. How do you think, I mean, obviously it changes because they won, but how do you think this early years of the Golden Knights team will be remembered kind of through the history of the NHL? I think it's fortitude. I mean, they were there and lost it, and I think that was probably the best thing for them. I mean, that bummed me out because it would have been fun to be there for it, but making it all the way to the Stanley Cup final in year one and losing on home ice and seeing that happen in front of you was the carrot on the stick in front of them that propelled them to the Stanley Cup win, and I think everybody knew it, including including Bill. And, and as a result of it, that's 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 why you have the Stanley Cup champions. I think if you if you don't make it to the final and you don't have the heartbreak that next year with with the San Jose situation, I don't think you're there. I don't. I don't. I think the adversity. I think the adversity is is what sharpened the sword, and uh, you know, that drove it home this year. If we, if you don't have that closeness and those that that all oh, those near misses, then you don't win the Stanley Cup. Nick Ismani is with us, a regular for a long time on Cofield and Company. We always love to have him on. Um, after uh, VGK, uh, did uh, some Blackhawks, did some Kraken. So I want to ask about the Kraken here in a couple minutes. He's been around the NHL forever. All right. So I just you know patted Foley on the back, um, and I mentioned McPhee and McCrimmon. We knew they were going to have to make some moves, and we used the word ruthless, right, at times for, for the whole, you know, the, the attitude. Hey, we, sometimes emotion can't come into it. So give me your take on Riley Smith going bye-bye and, and how you think he's reacting. It's always easy to say, like, hey, that's business. But, you know, for a player, you're leaving a team that you've been with. You, you have massive winning ways. You won the cup. I wonder what Riley Smith feels. There's emotions, for sure. Um Listen, it is a business. We've talked about this before on this program. We talked about it. I was on with you after Flurry was great. Um, it's a business, and it stings sometimes. And listen, it stings um, across the board. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, and I've been very honest, and I'm, you know, I'm honest right now. I was hurt when I left. You know, that wasn't uh, that wasn't the easiest thing because there is a bond and a love, and I can't imagine. If I felt that after two years, I can't imagine what Riley's being, feeling right now. But he's going to go to a really good team and a good organization. He's going to get to play with a couple of real good hockey players. That 87 on uh, Pittsburgh roster, that's, that's <laughs> not a bad hockey player. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's an opportunity, and that's the thing. These guys do know at the end of the day at the business, it'll be emotional for Riley, no question about it, especially after a couple of them. But you got to do what you got to do to keep winning. And I think the thing that fans need to is that all the moves made and all the paved the way for a Stanley Cup and um, again trust in your trust in your organization trust in your leadership trust in guys like George McPhee and, and Bill Foley to do the right thing and as a result they're doing the right thing they're putting you in a position to try to do this again and at the end of the day you love Riley Smith but you love winning and you love the Stanley Cup a heck of a lot more Nick Ismondi. Last one. All right. 
You're McPhee, you're McCrimmon. You have big decisions coming up here. You got to, whether it's unrestricted free agents or, you know, guys you have the rights to, what would you do with this goalie room? Oh, boy. I think I think they got to see how things play out here over the next couple of weeks. I think there's going to be a lot of movement in the league, and I think it's going to depend on if you really think that you can make a run again. And repeating is so hard. It's so difficult. It really, truly is. There's a hangover for sure. Um, so I, I, I think you've got to kind of take a breath here, let, let the dust settle from the draft, uh, take a real good deep look at what your organization is and your build up. Um, I love the move with with Henderson um, and, the, and the Knights, uh, the Silver Knights. I think that you've got there. Got a really good uh, money. The cap went up, so the fact that the cap went up uh, is going to help you a little bit. It's going to clear some space, but I think you've got to let the dust settle. You're the Stanley Cup champion. Everybody wants to come to your organization. Everybody's talking about your organization. So you've already got the one up on that. I think you kind of let the dust settle and see who comes to you and see what's going on because agents are going to start to reach out to the organization. And, you know, you're the prom king right now. See who shows up on your arm. Nick, you mentioned uh, the three on three hockey, which is so exciting. What, what else are you up to? Where can people see you, see you now th- these days? You know what? I'm pumped. I'm, I've got a. Uh, it was listen. It was a weird winter for me. Uh, so I'm going to be doing uh, Premier Sevens, which is a uh, a rugby, a new rugby league, Premier Rugby Sevens, and um, I'll be on uh, July 16th. I'll be calling the matches up in uh, San Jose and then the final in Washington D.C. on August 6th. And then I'll be covering uh, baseball and hockey for MLB Network and NHL Ooh. Network. Uh, this summer, uh, so you'll see yeah, about eight, uh, eight days a uh, eight days a month on MLB and NHL yeah. Network, and then uh, all every week on Wednesdays at uh, seven o'clock Eastern Time, um, I'll be covering that uh, three ice on CBS Sports Network. Beautiful, Jack of all trades, master of all of them, all of them, not a single one of them. them. <laughs> all right, there you go. All right, Nick, appreciate you coming on on short notice. Good conversation, and hope you're uh, you're doing well and have a, a great summer, man. Hey, listen, I love you boys. Congratulations on your Stanley Cup. Make sure you hit up Bill and tell him I said you got to give you a ring. <laughs> yeah, right. Thanks, Thanks Nick. <laughs> All right, boys. Take care. I'm not getting a ring. Uh, nor are you. Um, I might. I, mean, I don't think we need to be congratulated. I enjoyed no. it. No. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed You enjoyed it. It's good to cover. Win or lose, but it's good to cover a cup winner. It's good to cover a champion. You haven't this had one? a chance to do that, right? What's the highest level champion you covered on a regular basis in the past? This one? <laughs> Definitely right? this one. Right? Some, some bad high school teams I covered, some pretty bad college teams I covered. Mountain West title in basketball I covered. Okay. Something. All right. By the way, not for the Reno audience, we'll have a, an update on UNLV football and their recruiting next hour. So that's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Also, we have to get to a recap. I think I might need some therapy over the eating contest. There's lots all throughout the year, the competitive eating contest. Sure. I don't believe that ESPN Reno was with us last year at this time and has heard our coverage of the hot dog eating contest. It's pretty in-depth. It's going off the rails. I'm warning you. And they got to hear a good bit of it yesterday. Wowza. We're going to play some of that audio back. If you didn't hear it, we're coming up on the 5 o'clock hour. This hour is brought to you by... 
Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Calling from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Offices in Reno and Henderson and Las Vegas. 766-1400.